0: Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open-mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On May 21st, 10 storytellers shared their story with our audience at Holy Hound Room in downtown York. The theme for our May Story Slam was Lost and Found. We heard stories of losing track of people, losing track of animals, lost items, and getting lost in the wilderness. In the end, our winner was Christina Kaufman, who won with her story about changes to
1: her diet and changes to her preferences and life. So I had fully expected to be a lesbian for my entire life until about 10 years ago when I switched to soy milk and broke up with my girlfriend. Um, When I first started feeling... Weird I sort of examined my dietary changes kind of like uh, You might start a migraine journal, but this was more just like a mental log of like straight people urges and it it turns out that soy milk is high in estrogen and I was definitely having some unusual cravings, so uh, I Still haven't really been able to link soy's position in all of this. I feel like if soy milk were turning straight people gay instead of the other way around that there would be like a bigger body of research on this um a warning label even Um, but what it actually brought all of this about was i had met a man who i found very attractive and uh that sort of faded but it made me realize that I had had crushes on other men throughout the course of my life, but it was like, my first relationship was with a woman, and once I had done that entire painful coming out thing to my native York County family when I was a junior at Red Lion in the 1990s, I just hadn't entertained the idea of being with a man after that. So, I had started drinking soy milk because I was sort of on this mission to become healthier. And uh, as a result of that, I was the most fit that I have ever been in my entire life. Uh, I had this newfound sort of overconfidence, obnoxiousness that I think was sort of to be expected after a lifetime of always being smart and funny or being told that I have a pretty face, which just means you're fat. So uh, it's totally true. So losing a lot of weight and then also starting to date men brought about some interesting social changes. It was like some of the straight women who used to sort of act like they wanted me to have a crush on them now sort of looked at me like I was some sort of competition, which was weird. And some of my gay friends actually ostracized me. Um, It was like, the lesbians called and they wanted back their free toaster oven like as if i had as if i had unsubscribed or something (laughs) i remain an avid fan Uh, so while i think that i was sort of projecting this air of badassery i actually felt incredibly lost and i was also like woefully naive um I had only dated women before this, and um, statistically speaking, your chances of, like, the really freaky shit, like your date drugging you and making you wear their dead grandmother's house coat while they dismember you, are infinitely lower uh, when you date women, so (laughs) my, uh, Eventually, I found a really good therapist who explained to me that she thought part of the problem was that I had a void in my schema, uh, which sounds like a skin thing, but it it means basically that I had a hole in my worldview. So, um, even though I in no way grew up in some sort of fairy tale, it's like I was clinging to this irrational belief that um, people are inherently good. And I didn't have a category. Like, I was apparently had left myself vulnerable uh, because I didn't have a category in my schema for someone like a narcissistic sociopath. Uh, So in short, it was basically that I didn't realize that having a very firm grasp on the existence of evil was a prerequisite for dating men. The guy I met at Maywin's fell into sort of a more benign category that I'm just going to call basic. (laughs) Uh, He was super handsome, super fit, and so cool. He was exactly the kind of guy who would have never approached me when I had a pretty face. So when he asked me to come back uh, to his apartment and help him chop vegetables, I was actually kind of flattered. Um, I also thought that we were going to chop vegetables, so uh, as i 'm standing at the counter and he and I've you know got this celery and everything, I look over and he 's sitting on his couch and he has exposed his phil his he has exposed uh, yes, he has exposed his intentions. And I, uh, <laughs> I put down the knife and the thing about Kodo is that once you force your way past this newly divorced horny hipster, like there's no way to get out unless you have one of those electronic key cards. So yeah, it was late and I was frazzled, so it's possible there was, but I climbed that eight foot fence. and. I was sort of thinking like, is chopping vegetables some kind of straight people euphemism? Like I, I should really get a better grasp on the vernacular, but I wish that I could tell you that that was the night that I found the missing part of my schema. It was not, but I did find it eventually.
0: Christina earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up, we have a story from Ari Burlson, who told the story of trying to get to the bottom of her strange behavior.
2: A couple of years ago, I lost my cookie sheets, which is hard because cookie sheets are big and there are not that many places where they can fit. But they weren't in the drawer underneath my stove where we keep them. So I looked everywhere else in my kitchen and I couldn't find them so I started looking everywhere else I could think that cookie sheets might fit. I looked behind my television, and under the beds, and in the trunk of my car, and there were no cookie sheets. No sane person would put cookie sheets in any of those places. But I had been doing some strange things. A few weeks before that, my daughter, Eva, went to a slumber party. And I was awakened the next morning with this frantic phone call at 6 o'clock in the morning. Where's Eva? And I thought, this was the girl's mother. Eva's at your house. And then I thought, wait, I think Eva's in her bedroom. And I went and I looked, and Eva was asleep in her bed. And the events of the past night started coming back to me. Eva had called me at about two in the morning, crying because one of the girls at the party was being mean to her. And she asked me if I would come and pick her up. And I said, sure. And I drove over to the house and I picked her up and I drove her back home and we went to sleep. I apologized profusely to the girl's mother. And for weeks I wondered, how I could have been so irresponsible that I picked my daughter up from somebody's house in the middle of the night and didn't tell them. Another morning, I got a text from my sister, and she said, you were up late last night. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, you commented on every single Facebook post I made for the past year. (laughs) I didn't remember doing that. But when I logged onto my account, it started coming back to me, and some of the comments sounded like things I would say, and some of the comments just sounded like my id had had a field day. (laughs) But the instance that scared me the most um, involved The Walking Dead. I'm a big fan, and I wouldn't let my daughter watch it, because I felt like it was kind of horrifying and gory and scary. There's a scene at the end of season seven that was so gruesome for me, so scary, that it haunted me for months. And one day I was talking to my daughter and she mentioned having seen this. And I said, what do you mean you saw that? And she said, remember, you showed it to me. And I said, I did not. And she said, yes, I came into your bed, your room one night, and I told you that I really wanted to see this scene that had upset you so much. And you pulled it up on your computer, and you showed it to me. And as she's saying this, I'm remembering it. And I'm appalled at myself. And I thought, something is very wrong. So I went to my doctor. And I told her what had been happening. <clears throat> A couple of months before this, I had gone to that doctor for help with insomnia, and she had prescribed Ambien, which is a sleeping pill. When I told her what had been happening, she said, when you take Ambien, it has to be the last thing you do before your head hits the pillow. You cannot go on social media. You cannot have a conversation with anyone. When you take Ambien, you have to go... Right to sleep and stay asleep for seven hours. If you don't, you can go into this hypnotic state and do things like sleep driving, which is an actual thing. (laughs) So my first thought when she told me this was, I wish you'd told me that when you prescribed it to me. And my second thought was, that doesn't work in my life. I'm the only adult in my house. If my daughter needs me in the middle of the night, the person who helps her needs to be a rational, responsible adult and not some lunatic without any boundaries. (laughs) So I had to give up taking the Ambien and I gave up on finding my cookie sheets. Until last month, when my daughter was putting some pans away in the drawer underneath the stove, and it jammed. So I pulled the whole drawer out, and there, underneath the stove, on the floor, where they'd been gathering dust for the past two years, were my cookie sheets. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Aaron Lewis.
0: Aaron shared his story about one memorable time he got lost in New Mexico.
3: Several years ago, I was working out at a uh, a shooting competition in New Mexico. Uh, at a place called the Whittington Center, which was uh, just this massive facility. Uh, The majority of it was just uh, backcountry, untamed wilderness uh, for hunting expeditions and everything. And then this one portion of it was uh, uh, shooting ranges. So the one that I was working on uh, was this thousand-yard range with a bunch of... uh, Crusty bastards shooting the old rifles. Um, but I went out about a month early. Um, the guy was working with. Uh, our job was to go out and build all the targets. And so we didn't get paid a whole lot, but one of the perks was we had, you know, while we were working, if, if we were, you know, off the clock, we could use the facility as much as we wanted. Um, and that included going and exploring the backcountry. So um, I've always of fancy myself an amateur storm chaser and i say amateur because i don't know shit about meteorology i just like storms um and the thing about uh northern new mexico or the Southwest in general is you know you only get a couple of inches of rain a year but it all comes at once um so we we're staying in this cabin right at the edge of this uh this small mountain range um was sort of the barrier to the back country and, and i uh, I saw the forecast there's supposed to be storms coming in from the prairie uh, to the east of us and so i was watching this storm system roll in, and it was super low clouds and i thought i'm going to scramble up this this ridge line and take pictures as this uh this dark ominous cloud formation was rolling in and i was going to be above the cloud line and so i did i scrambled up uh about 12 to 1500 feet uh, on this ridge line and was taking these amazing pictures of the storm system rolling in and just like flooding the valley underneath me and I was getting all excited and running around trying to take different pictures of, uh, of different you know cool sandstone landmarks with these storm clouds behind it and uh, so the first sort of wave passed me and it wasn't exciting anymore and I was just kind of like leafing through a bunch of the pictures I took thinking like i sell these in National Geographic or some shit like that, uh, they, they weren't interested, but I finally sort of calmed down and realized, like, I have to start getting back to the cabin, and in all of my running around, I had no idea which way was up, um, and at this point it was extremely dense fog, um, visibility was probably like 50 yards being generous, and, uh, the interesting thing about my situation was I was on top of this rich line with cell service, but nobody uh, in the valley, in the cabin at the facility that I was staying with had cell service because they were, you know, at this little bowl. Um, so I called my friend Logan, who was still in Pennsylvania at the time, and uh, he was uh, in class at Lebanon Valley College, and, and uh, I called him up, I said, hey, I need some help, and uh, he said, "What's going on?" I said, "I'm fucking lost." And uh, so he excused himself from class and hopped on Google Earth. And uh, he's like, okay, "I'm g- giving him the sort of like general rundown of where I think I am on this ridge line." And he's looking at landmarks, and I'm telling him what I'm seeing, and and we we sort of pinpoint roughly where I am. And uh, and he said, "You know, at this point." go left or go right, but go downhill, and you're either going to get to a, uh, a trail, if you get to a trail, turn right, follow that trail, it's going to take you back into the valley. If you get to a dry riverbed, turn left, and then it'll take you long way around, but you'll get to the trail, then turn right, and get to the valley. Uh, so I got to the riverbed, and at this point the sun's going down, and uh, I had a, a pocket flashlight, Um, which wasn't very bright Uh, and I had a a very small handgun um, which would have been great against a bear or a cougar in that I could just off myself and spare myself the suffering Um, and uh so I got, you know, I got to the riverbed, and at that point I had no cell service because I'm back down in the valley. And I turn left, and I follow the drive riverbed, and I get to the trail. I turn right, and I find myself back at the cabin. And uh, the guy I'm working with is sitting on the couch in his underwear, just like reading a book. He's like, "Where were you?" I was like, "Don't worry about it, man. You were obviously very concerned about me." But going to bed. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>
0: All the winners from this year's Open Mic Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York. Tickets for our events are available on our website, YorkStorySlam.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can also follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is York Story Slam. Our Facebook page is York Story Slam and you can watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. We hope to see you on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.